episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. This is episode 10. I am Chris Salona, and I am joined, as always, by Ethan Shalloway. Ethan, what's the word? Bird is the word. And uh, <laughs> that is what they we're say. Excited, we're excited to be back. Um, it's another good week to be a grunge fan and be a part of Grunge Bible family. So, yeah, we're excited to talk. We got a great episode lined up. Absolutely, we do. Uh, you know, so with it being the 10th episode, as, as we alluded to in episode nine, there's really o- only one area that we can go for this 10th episode. Um, and that yeah. is that is 10, you know. Absolutely is. There's no doubt about it. Talked about it. Easy call. So exactly. today, dedicated to Pearl Jam. The Pearl Jam debut album from 1991. We're really excited to talk about that. Um, it's turning 30 later this year, which is quite old. Um, we're all really older old. Than us. Yeah, that is older than us. Uh, so in case you didn't know, yep, we are posers. Uh, but I think you <laughs> knew that. And if you're with us, you can overlook that. And we uh, nah, they don't care. appreciate Yeah, they don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't care. Um, anyways, I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't either. It hasn't, <laughs> hasn't stopped us so far. And it's sure as hell not going to stop us on episode 10. Um, but no. today, actually, today is we're recording this on Tuesday, May 18th, and uh, we would be remiss if we didn't just quickly mention that, you know, today, the 18th, is the fourth anniversary of the passing of Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I was, I've been thinking about Chris today, listening to a lot of his music, and I was really just kind of thinking that, you know, all of our musical experiences as fans uh, and as, you know, consumers of that specific art you know, how much of an impact he had on us and continues to have on us. And, you know, I don't think many of us would, you know, be fans of this music if it weren't for Chris. And, you know, I think a lot of us, maybe our lives wouldn't be, you know, how they are if it wasn't for Chris and his music. So we're definitely thinking about Chris today and, you know, all of the Soundgarden fans, Audio Slave, Temple of the Dog, Chris Cornell solo fans, and, you know, all of his bandmates and everybody who knew him and his family. Tough day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, I remember, uh, I remember the morning that we got the news, and mm-hmm. I had my my old my old boss had had texted me and said something, and I instantly had texted you and started talking about it. And it was a you know clearly a hard thing to wrap your head or wrap your mind around your head around it. Yeah, um, yeah, it sure was. I remember. Um, I I think I had I had been out drinking the night before, so I woke up. Uh, you know, around like six thirty in the morning to, you know, take a swig of water and, you know, get back to sleep because I needed it. And I looked at my phone as, as you often do. And I had a notification, I forget from, from who or from what. And I just saw Chris Cornell, I saw his name. And then I think they said, you know, that he was found dead and it just didn't make any sense. Uh, I was like, Wait, yeah. what, you know, because I was, I was still groggy. I was like half asleep. And, you know, I didn't, I did not end up going back to sleep after that, you know, just started listening to his music. And I think I texted you and a few other people, but tough day. And, you know, it's crazy to think it's already been four years since he's been gone. Yeah, it's truly, truly sad. And we think about him often. So, yeah. um, I think is we it? can all agree that we'll be playing a lot of, a lot of sound guard, a lot of Chris Cornell today, and just be thinking about him as we, we do often. Absolutely. So today, as we said, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of 10. Uh, and this episode, as always, is made possible by our top level Patreon supporters. Uh, we've Ethan, we've got a little bit of a big four going right now for that for that top level. Uh, and that big four, you know, it's not uh, it's not Lane, Chris, Kurt and Eddie. It's uh, it's Sonny <laughs> Mashburn, 
Victor Schaefer, Shannon Gorgone, and Alexis Shannon. So uh, to you four, thank you so much. You guys are just as awesome as the big four of the Seattle grunge scene, and we thank you very much. And additionally, uh, we have a new supporter of the cause. Uh, a new yes, patron do. has joined up, uh, and their name is Reed Potts. So thank you very much, Reed, for joining up here. Uh, we're really thankful, and we'll have a little bit more on the Patreon program later on in the episode if you are interested. But now, I think it's time to talk 10. Let's do it. And for me, like, Let's it, it doesn't get do any it. better than 10 for me. No, this is this is my favorite Pearl Jam album. I mean, a lot of people will try and make arguments for the other ones, but this just screams Pearl Jam to me, and is it has every reason that I love the band. Um and it's just a front to back album, something that I love to do, and I love front to back albums. It's something that where you can you don't you don't skip any songs. There's not many that that I don't enjoy. So yeah, it, it's just a it's a full package, and I love that. I love I love when artists can can do that, and especially a debut album that's even better. You just get it's just the raw. It is in my eyes, it is Pearl Jam. I agree. and it's just iconic, iconic um, album art. Everything about it. Yeah, I it's it, it's hard even to know you know, where to begin with this album and just how special it is. And, and I think you used a good word, you know, when you just said that, you know, how raw it is and how there's just so much intensity bottled up, you know, that was bottled up going into those sessions that just kind of exploded, uh, you know, because I mean, you think about those people in the band and, you know, uh, Stone Gossard and, and Jeff Amon, you know, they had just suffered the loss of Andy Wood from Mother Love Bone and, you know, they were playing a little bit, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. And, you know, you had Mike McCready pop in who had given up playing for a few years. I think he had started to go to community college. He cut his hair, um, uh, you know, and, and, and he got back into the music playing scene. And you had uh, you had Dave Cruzen, who was drumming at the time, actually, for Pearl Jam. He was their first drummer. He was in there. And then, you know, a little known surf bum from San Diego named Eddie Vedder, you know, hightailed his way up the coast. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, it was just really such a magic, uh, you know, period of time for, for, for the music and for those musicians where they are, were all able to come together. And, you know, Stone had a bunch of demos that he had been creating, you know, after Mother Lovebone uh, had, had ceased to exist after Andy Wood passed away. Uh, you know, a lot of those were actually, I think, originated as Mother Lovebone demos, and it just kind of all came together. But, I mean, you talk about a, a crowd of people, Ethan. You know, it doesn't get much better than those five and what they all brought to the table at the time. One thing that I like to think about with this record is, you know, they, they got together in, you know, March and April of 1991 to put this thing, thing together. <laughs> and if you thought you think about the musical landscape there, you know, this was pre-Nevermind. Um, this was pre-Bad Motor Finger. You know, so grunge, you know, as as we say, had, had not broken through. And I'm thinking about what the biggest bands in the United States would have been at the time. Guns N' Roses, they were still huge. Um, the Black Crows had released uh, Shake Your Moneymaker in 1990, and they were being touted by a lot of critics as, you know, being the next standard bearer for rock music. And these guys just went into the studio um, and nobody knew at the time, you know, what was what was going to come of it. And, you know, they were they were billed as Mookie Blaylock at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, that first song, you know, you just said earlier you, you love front to back records and this is certainly one of them you know if you dropped your cassette in in 1991 or your cd or whatever and the first track that you get is once um you know that that song and we're talking about intensity and just you know everything just exploding at one time i mean once once is all of that yeah eddie vetter just 
absolutely crushing. I, yeah, I, it is. It's one. Of, it's one of my t- favorite Pearl Jam songs. I think mm-hmm. it's just the way. I, I just think the way that the kind of the guitar kind of dictates, and there's a little bit of like a, I don't know, like an up and down to it, and just you know, it's just really well put together. And Eddie Eddie does his part, and just um, I don't know, hammers it home all as he always does. But uh, and the lyrics are just are really just awesome to yeah. kind of. Absolutely. And and with this one, um, this was actually a part of the uh, the the three track demo that Eddie Vedder got his hands on from Jack Irons, who was a drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> um, so sometime in 1990, I believe Jack got this demo from Stone um, and somehow ended up seeing Eddie Vedder, you know, down in San Diego and gave it to him. And, and this was the first song on that demo. It was the songs that would become once. Um, then alive and then footsteps and Eddie Vedder kind of made this mini opera that is referred to as the mama son uh, mini opera. And it's just kind of this, uh, you know, this whole thing about, you know, this, this person going on a murderous rampage after finding out that their father um, is not actually their father. And then footsteps is, you know, the aftermath of all of that. And I mean, just to, just to get a demo and, and this is why I, I would never be a good songwriter, you know, to have that blank canvas and, However, that music spoke to you at the time. And, you know, Eddie Vedder heard that instrumental track, really rough instrumental from Stone. Um, and, you know, to, to result with a song like this and just that intensity is is really, really impressive. But, yeah, I like what you said. You know, just kind of like it builds and then it falls down a little bit. And then, like, mm-hmm. the guitar comes back and then the drums come in. And, 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 yeah. and that, that end of the song, right after he says, he's like, you think I got my eyes closed, but I'm looking at yeah. you the whole fucking time. And then he just goes in. I mean, this was this was the best era of Eddie Vedder just yelling, just yelling about everything. Absolutely, yeah. The whole all eleven songs on the album, and uh, you know, there's there's little tidbits you just said. Or it's great. It's definitely this is a right up your alley, uh, Pearl Jam uh, enthusiast. Oh yeah, this is this is yes, right down say, Broadway. I didn't I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know those. Uh, you said the footsteps and the the footnotes of those uh, those demos and. Yeah. And, um, and, and just as a disclaimer, you know, we, we don't claim, and I certainly don't claim to be the seat of all Pearl Jam knowledge, all of this stuff, all of the historical yeah. chronological things, just, just go on Wikipedia and read about them. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, you're for all interested. the aggregates out there, if, if yeah, we we're mess not gonna... things up or, yeah, or <laughs> yep, misspeak, actually, you know. Yeah, actually it was, yeah, it was actually. April and May, not March and April. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, I mean, once, and, and then the best part is as soon as once ends, you go into even flow. I mean, one thing that I always like to think about with records, and we can get to this in a little bit after we speak about the third song, is like on a record, the first three songs of that record. And I mean, with with this one, it's like you've got once even flow and then right into a live. I mean, it's hard to beat that, you know, one, two, three. And I love having that that conversation. But I mean, with even flow, I mean, one of their most iconic songs, I have a feeling, you know, we'll be able to say that about a lot of a lot of the tracks on this album. But I mean, even flow. I mean, for all of the uh, Eddie Vedder impersonators over the last thirty years, like <laughs> yeah, that's the most. Yeah. This is that's the most that and probably alive. But I mean, just just another yeah. one that even flow. Just I'm always drawn to just the rhythm guitar and and Stone that riff that he came up with right at the beginning and yeah, just how Mike fits into it. And and I'm always a really really big lyrics guy. And Eddie Vedder right from the get go was writing about some you know pretty heavy stuff and you know this one is just kind of about homelessness and 
uh, a lot of different things like that. And um, one quote uh, that I pulled from 1994 that Eddie Vedder said, um, you know, he was, he, was, he was at a concert in 94 and he said, right across the street, there's a little homeless community that lives under the bridge. You should just know that these people aren't all crazy and sometimes it's not their fault. Um, and he kind of wrote this song in that vein of, you know, the, the challenges that people deal with. And a lot of times, I mean, in life, you know, you're dealt, uh, you're dealt hands that, you know, you didn't ask for and you didn't deserve. And um, I think with Pearl Jam, you know, they've never really been afraid to, you know, approach different issues uh, through their songwriting and through their lyricism. And this is certainly an example of that. But um, where does where does even flow for you stack up in terms of, you know, favorite Pearl Jam songs? Is it up there or? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it is. It is. It's something that comes on and definitely gets your head kind of bumping. And it's one, and it's one of the songs that I used to jam uh, with my friends, actually, when we first got to Pittsburgh um and actually drew was there we a little anecdote um it was actually a group of people i'm sorry there was i had a tutor for an astronomy class that had a there was a storage unit that they kept like all their instruments in and it was like really common for bands to be up in this um storage unit and we would go and jam there and we took one of our friends and he had a huge he was a huge um grunge fan and love yeah, love singing love singing uh eddie vetter and lane staley and and scott weiland he loved like giving those giving those songs a go so and even flow is one of his favorites so we go up there and we jammed it a lot and um and you know it definitely has it has its radio play for good reasons and mm-hmm. but we would jam it and it's just such a fun song to uh to rock on the drums and to kind of play and so i've always really enjoyed uh listening to it because i just kind of play along with it and it's like so i i'd say i mean it has to be one of my favorites um just for pure i've listened to it probably the most of yeah i mean it's unavoidable on fm radio as you said as are i can think of at least two or three other songs on this record that are you know pretty unavoidable alive Uh, and jeremy yeah and jeremy and you know black to a lesser extent as well but I mean, then you have even flow and then you go right into Alive, which I think if there's one song that kind of explains what Pearl Jam is, like if, if aliens landed on Earth tomorrow, another and they one, were like, yeah. they're like, what is it with this Pearl Jam band? Like, tell me about them. Uh, if that would be their priority, I don't know. I think there may, might be some <laughs> other things on the list. But once they got to once they got to understanding, understanding rock music, I, I think I would, I would I would show them Alive um, and just once again where do you put alive for your uh on your, in your list so you, my you big... my my all-time favorite pearl jam song is is on this album uh but yes. it's not it's not alive i would agree yeah it's it's not alive but just in terms of uh i don't know i this song whenever it comes on in the car the volume goes all the way up and it's just stone with that initial lick and, can... and then as soon as the drums come in and just the way that dave cruzen is playing the drums on it it's just like it's just great. You just can't help but like get into it a little bit, and, and then and then scream and then sing with with Eddie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm still alive, and and it's funny too. It, go ahead. I was gonna say, there's something about like um, the simplicity of the lyrics to be able to sing along with it, mm-hmm. like the just the way that he sings the chorus. Yeah, and um, I think that's why you know that's why it did so well, and that's why absolutely it's, a, it's an amazingly catchy song that people love. Yeah, and and you're thinking about you know this song and you know, your casual listener or even people who, you know, don't really pay much attention to lyrics, which is totally fine. Um, you know, you wouldn't, 
you wouldn't really glean what the the message of this song is until you maybe did some reading or really really listened i know i didn't for a long time i mean he's screaming i'm still alive so you got to figure you know it's some sort of like anthemic proclamation that you're still alive and and he had a good quote later on you know back then you know he had he had written it you know about his family and the fact that his father had passed away and he didn't know that his his father was his biological father he thought his stepfather was his biological father and you know coming to terms with that as a you know as a as a teen young adult you know maybe 13 14 year old and and he said much later on you know it's probably 20 25 years into his career he's like you know people sing this when i when i sing it they sing along with me it's like they're celebrating that they're alive whereas when i wrote it it was almost like i was cursed that i was alive and you know, yeah. He said, he said through that, through their singing, through their celebration, they changed the meaning Changes. of the song for me and they, they yeah. lifted the curse he said. And that's, yeah. I mean, mu- music doesn't get more, more powerful pretty, than that. Yeah. That's, that's really, I, I remember first talking to you about this and you, and you mm-hmm. had told me about it and that was like, I had no idea. Cause like yeah. I said, just a casual listener and you, and you kind of make your own interpretations as, as a, um, you know, as a listener versus a the writer so absolutely yeah. and, and this that's song, a great anecdote yeah and and this song is probably the best one that you can hear at a pearl jam show because they always play it towards the end and as as they're playing it they put the house lights on and everybody is just going ape shit just screaming at the top of their lungs i'm still alive. like it doesn't matter if you know or don't know the people next to you, you got your arms around them you're just you're just oh, yeah. belting it out and i know we've had a couple of really good experiences at pearl jam shows with with yeah. with the people next to us you know with this song and just it's just it's just a party and like like ed said you know it's a celebration you know of sorts nowadays and it's really really powerful song one that i i i think this song is unbreakable for me you know how it gets a lot of some songs can get a lot of airplay and then they just don't do it for you after a while i don't think this one could be broken for me but i don't know yeah, it comes on and you're just like, here we go. Turn, turn it up and, and let it go. Absolutely. Let, it's, it's let just Eddie Vedder take the wheel. So good. And this was this was the first single off of the album. And this was uh, this predated the album release. The single was released in July of 91. And I don't think the album came out till late August of 91. So this was, yeah. the, this was Pearl Jam's first uh, official release, I guess, um, at that point. But moving on on the, on the record, we've got Next a live... One goes right into why go and Ethan why, why go, go why why go home why go home and we we love this one we love saying that after a long night together i remember and after i mean after the pearl jam concerts we yeah. we, we would we look at each other and like why go like what are we doing now it's like why go home and there's no no reason we had to keep the party going but um yeah do you want to give us a background on this one too? I feel yeah, like absolutely. Kind of rolling so, here. so once again, no, no inside sources. This is just from the open forum of, of the internet. But, but with this one, you know, once again, if you listen to the lyrics, you know, past the chorus, um, a lot of it is, is kind of alluding to somebody who, you know, may be put into a mental institution. Um, and in 1991, uh, Eddie spoke about this song and he said, you know, people who don't really pay a lot of attention to their kids, and don't really know how to deal with them just end up putting their kids in hospitals and and if you listen to the lyrics uh, particularly i think the first two verses of this song you can kind of hear um you know just different different parts about that you know you know uh they want her to be weak you know she could play pretend she could join the game why go home you know because you're here and we can kind of mold you into what we want you to be and and once again um 
I mean, even with Eddie Vedder, so prior to Pearl Jam, he was in a band called Bad Radio, and he would write a lot about social issues and things like this and, and certainly banter. Uh, he's always been a banterer when he's performing, you know, in between songs and everything. And, you know, for the first record, he, he certainly didn't shy away from talking about things, you know, that he wanted to talk about. And the band as well, you know, you had some fairly seasoned musicians as a part of that band uh, you know, to be, to give him, give him the, the wheels or, you know, give him, give him the keys to writing the lyrics. Uh, I think it really worked out quite well, but yeah, this, this one gets overlooked a little bit, but definitely a favorite between, you know, yourself yeah. uh, and, and, and me definitely just because of the tagline, you know, we'll be out late, like bars will be closing down or the concerts over and just why well, go home. And you can and you can yell this one as well. Like all of these songs, you can just yell you can, you "Why can go yell home?" All of them. Why go home? <laughs> Absolutely. And, it and it's just a beautiful. Uh, yeah, I just lo- I love that. I love because I also love the idea of connecting with like kind of traveling and when you're kind of moving because we moved across the country, the two of mm-hmm. us for different reasons and and uh, obviously home has a very specific place. But I love the idea of going out and adventuring and where's the next place to go? Yeah. And it's like. Like, I don't want to go home yet. Yeah. I just want to keep like, traveling. Why, like, why, why go, go there home? yet? There's always, there's always more experiences to get. And, and obviously, you know, I don't think Ed wrote it about it like that, but that's, that's the best part about music is because we can hear it and be like, Hey, this applies to our lives in this way. And I know we've done that with most of these songs and especially with this one. Like I remember, I remember a couple of instances I'd, I'd be at an airport or something like flying home and I would text you or I'd be listening to the song and be like, why well, go home? Like, let me, let me get another flight somewhere else and see, see what else is going on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so, so with, with, with the record so far, I mean, you've got song after song after song of just absolute intensity and yeah. destruction. And then things kind of slow down a little bit uh, with this next track black, which I think is but, one of your favorite Pearl Jam songs, right? Yeah, this is, this is my, this is my favorite live. Well, I guess there's one other song but this as far as like a live performance what i what i enjoy watching um whether it be on youtube or when we when we've been to the shows um, whenever mm-hmm. this one comes on I, I always feel like i get i get affected the most and i'm just able to connect with um just the atmosphere that the song and and the way that it kind of um that the you know the guys you know set it up i think there's a great there's a great build it's just a beautiful um you know, when we were in Fenway and they, they turned off all the lights and they had, they brought it down for Bronson. <laughs> Bronson Arroyo, uh, ex-baseball ex pitcher out. played on this one. Yeah, and and I think with the live performance of this one, the first thing I think about is Mike McCready and, and the solo that he, yeah. that he turns in on this one. I mean, his live solos for this are so much better than his studio solo just because you get yeah, that emotion when you're point. in there. Um and I mean, oh my gosh, it's, and, and even the, the unplugged performance of this is probably my favorite of their, of their unplugged set. Yeah. And just the way that the emotion is there. And, and, you know, once again, I, I'm always drawn to the lyrics and, you know, with this one, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be the star in somebody else's sky, but why can't it be mine? I mean, how that is depressing That's- as hell. <laughs> That yes, is, that hurts, and and it ties it's, in. But it's per- so poetic. It's oh, so absolutely, poetic. and it ties in perfectly with with another quote. Um, and this is from the Pearl Jam twenty documentary. Um, Ed was talking about this song, and and, it, and it's just such a, it just this one just sears, man. Where it, and he was talking about it, and he said, you know, the song is about letting go, and it's very rare for a relationship to withstand the Earth's gravitational pull and where it's going to take people and where they're going to grow. 
I've heard it said before that you really can't have a true love unless it was a love unrequited. And it's a harsh one because then your truest one is the one that you can't have forever. And like, that's, that's the kind of quote. And this is a kind of song that if you're, you've, <laughs> if you're hurting, if you're in your feels, you got to stay away from this one. Cause this one puts the nail in the coffin, man. Yeah. Yeah. It especially is. putting on, you can't put on a lyrics video on YouTube and expect not yeah. to. Uh, and, and this is one, like if you go on YouTube with this one, you just see people, you know, spilling their feelings in the comments, which is, it's unbelievable how, you know, five and a half minutes of music with some, some singing over top of it can emit that strong of an emotion. And, you know, in my opinion, it's not even the most emotional rec- emotional track on the record, which is unbelievable. But you know, this, this one, um, Epic Records, who they were signed to at the time, they wanted to put it out as a single. Um, and Ed was like, mm-hmm. no way, man. He's like, this is too personal. And it would just lose its meaning if it just got played to death over the radio. Of course, it didn't really stop them as in the years that followed. Uh, you know, this one gets played a lot. Um, the local rock radio station that I have... Um, does something on Tuesday called Double Shot Tuesday where they just uh, every rock station <laughs> you has have to. Yeah. I don't know why I why I'm putting the qualifier block. that it's mine. Yeah, exactly. And so they'll play two songs. And if from they every don't, artist. they're not a real classic rock. <laughs> they, they Double Shot Tuesday, baby. They don't get it. Um, and and yeah. it seems like my my radio station they always play Black as a part of the Pearl Jam Double Shot. Yeah. Um, it's with usually, a live or with the yeah, it's like a live yeah. into Black or something to bring you down, but. Um, oh, yeah? man, this is, yeah, I think they, they played this at the first Pearl Jam show that we saw, which was in Fenway in 2016. I don't believe they played it at the second one. Um, but this next one, we have not seen them play this one live. I don't think Jeremy. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't, we, I think that's one of the ones that have been excluded. I was going to yeah. ask you, uh, which out of the, um, 11 songs did, have we seen live probably around the, I think we've seen we've seen a lot One, of them because some two, some of them are they're, they're just hits, you know. We've seen even we flow, see, we've seen alive, we've seen why go, we've seen black, um, and then moving on porch. They play seen, at every show. I yeah. we saw. I think we saw garden and release at Wrigley. Uh, we didn't see deep, and we saw release. So we've seen most of them, and you know that's kind of because at this point Pearl Jam they they do make a really good effort to play a lot of the, um, you know more popular songs but i mean their catalog is so big i don't even know how they would begin to decide you know how ed sits down and decides what to play and what not to play that's something that's always been confusing but interesting well, and you've seen the set list there's a lot of cross outs and there's a lot yep. of add-ins and and, yeah. I, and that's that's awesome you gotta love when yeah. bands do that and bands are capable of doing that to mm-hmm. be able to like hey like audible we gotta play red mosquito like. exactly yeah they're they're, they're so seasoned <laughs> that all, all you gotta do is you just you just turn to your turn to your bandmates give them a nod and you know, then you're off and running. But, you know, the next song, Jeremy was, if you think about it at the time, probably the song that broke Pearl Jam through in the biggest way, particularly with the music video. And that music video, the the, the one that uh, I believe they ended up winning some awards for, uh, was the second yep. iteration of the Jeremy music video. Chris Cafaro, um actually shot and directed the first music video for Jeremy, um, but I believe the record company wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. But this song, once again, you don't listen to the lyrics. You don't really know what it's about. And I know we've spoken about this, I think on the podcast before, but certainly on the page, um, it's about the suicide of a teenager, uh, in high school in Texas, I think in 1991 named Jeremy Wade Dell, uh, at Richardson high school in Texas. And, uh, you know, this is, this one is, you know, just another one that's so heavy. Um, yeah. And it's a really heavy, heavy topic to kind of think about. And one, you know, also to write about, you know, with Eddie and I think it's, a really tough spot, you know, for 
you know, this yeah. the family, the family of this kid, you know, after whatever he may have been struggling with and, you know, the world just kind of knows him as, you know, the guy from the song and, you know, he was so much more than that. So I, I always go back and forth and I, and I don't know that I'm the biggest fan that this song, you know, was, was written um, just because of that. And I, I, I just think there's, you know, some privacy that needed to be given, but also, you know, you're and, left to your own devices as a songwriter. Yeah. I'm sure that Eddie, I don't know how much he anticipated it being right. Uh, you know, hold the weight and the, just how, how big of a Pearl Jam song is. It, it is arguably right. one of the biggest, their biggest songs and most notable. So um, I'm sure that he didn't. Yeah. And, and he has the expect famous it to be right. And he's got the famous quote about this one saying that, you know, the best revenge is to live on and prove yourself, uh, you know, and yeah. be stronger than the things that are keeping you down, which I think is, is really great, great advice, we you love know, that but quote. also, yeah. yeah, it also, also risks, you know, maybe not being the most understanding of the situations people may be in. But I, I definitely think, you know, as time went on, as the song got bigger, I, I think he probably developed more of an understanding and, uh, you know, of, of what he was writing about. And at the 93 MTV uh, awards, they received an award for Jeremy. And, and he said, actually, like, if it weren't for music, he's like, I think it would have been me, you know, in front of the classroom. So music is really what kept me alive. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird, you know, how, things might come full circle and music is just that powerful that, you know, it can be anchors for people. And I know a lot of, a lot of listeners, a lot of people that we interact with on the page and even us, you know, music gets you through the hard times. And I'm glad, you know, Pearl Jam has certainly been there for a lot of people, but this, this is another one, um, you know, it's played all the time on the radio and, and, and it, it just in terms of the construction of the song, you know, the fact that these guys got together didn't really all know one another for that long, you know, with Ed coming in and Mike joining, you know, what was really, you know, Stone and Jeff as the elder statesman of the band. The fact that they were able to get into a room together, you know, for a month, month and a half and come out with things like this is really impressive. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, like I said, between the, I mean, I guess there's a ton of, ton of them, uh, highly touted songs, but just between the, the four that we've, or the three that we've talked about, um, alive even flow in this one there's like i mean there's the most heavily radio played songs mm -hmm. um and it came off the first album so you said the instant chemistry between the guys um held you know withstand withstood the um test of time yeah and for still sure and and you know moving on to the next one we've got oceans and oceans i don't really know that it does it for me um it's a great song and it's got a great backstory. I don't know if you know, do you know the story as to how Eddie Vedder ended up writing the lyrics to oceans? I do not. I, this song, I would say, and you know, they don't all have to do it for us. Right. Um, so it's okay that we have, you know, we have that. So I, I mean, I love to hear the people that say that this is their favorite song and love yeah, to hear their takes, but exactly. And yeah, why no, I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a big, um, a big background on this song. Yeah. Um, well, I think in terms of the construction of the song, this almost feels like it would, make more sense on a record like no code or vitalogy um as opposed to 10 just because it, it feels a little bit experimental and it's a little bit more airy you know than everything oh, yeah. else that's on the record but i think in a way it's almost it's brilliant to include something like this on the record um you know just because you know you're just driving 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 for so long and then this one kind of you know lets you down a little bit but the story behind this um and, you know, of course, at this point, nobody knows if it's, uh, you know, if it's lore or if it's actual, you know, settled history. But as the legend goes, uh, according to the, the powers that be, 
Um, they were in the studio recording and uh, Eddie Vedder had to go outside to move his car or to maybe put some change into the parking meter. Um, and it was raining and then he got locked out of the studio. So he's outside and he's banging on the door to try to get in. And through the door, he could hear he could hear the baseline to, I guess, what would eventually become Oceans. Um, and he couldn't really hear a whole, whole lot else. And he just he pulled out a piece of paper and just wrote the lyrics down. Um, so once again, that is that's that's what the story goes for this song. But I mean, you think about how inspired of a time was, you know, where even things like that, like you get locked out of the studio and you end up writing a song uh, because you can hear the bass line coming through. I mean, those, those do you believe things- that do you believe the story? I don't know. I, I really I really don't know, um, because one, it's been so long ago. And two, I mean, if I was in that situation, I would totally embellish. I would totally come up with these wild stories about how I wrote yeah. this record. I mean, it, it'd be awesome, you know? Re- yeah, revisionist history. You can go back and, and like, oh, yeah, this is the time I got locked out of the studio. You can say whatever um, you want. <laughs> I didn't have any change in the parking meter. <laughs> so who who knows if it's actually true? And, and, and you know, I'd, I'd love it for it to be true because that's pretty awesome. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this this another one, you know, the lyrics are, are just really really incredible and and for me you know like i said it's kind of like a throwaway one for the album for me um but still you don't skip it you, you just you just can't skip it um and this next one is completely unskippable you, you never skip porch no you can't you and don't this one skip porch. Uh, this one has a, has a great set of lyrics again and something that you uh that we talked about that you almost had permanently put onto your body yeah it was almost my first tattoo i almost got porch um and, and I think for me, was it just, yeah, I guess it was just, the I word was going porch. to just get the word porch because why, why? <laughs> well, porch? I thought maybe, I yeah. thought maybe for a second you took, you took the, hear my name, take a good look and well, you were going to get that's that. That's why I love the song is, right. is that lyric of like, hear my name, take a good look. This could be the day because, you know, I mean, we, we, we talk spend, about that a lot. We talk about that a lot in, in athletics and, and training and everything. And we go into competition in college and, you know, we'd always text back and forth and, you know, we're competing at the same times of the year. And you know, I'd always be like, hey, like, hear my name, like, take a good look like this. This could be the day that I, you know, get yeah. that I achieve everything that I've been working for. And, and that song kind of took on that meaning for me is, you know, I ended up I, w- oh, I would yeah. like I wrote porch like on my on my shoes, shoes. For, for competition yes. and everything. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else. But you know, I'd see the word porch. Or I'd listen to the song and be like, all right, like, why not me? Why not today? Why not now? Um and I, I can't imagine, you know, I don't think Eddie Vedder was, was writing it about that. But that once again, another great example of, you know, we heard that song and yeah, it was almost my first tattoo. I was almost going to get the word porch tattooed and who knows, maybe I still will. Um, I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've been itching to get another one. So who knows, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll turn back the clock. But this one, I think for the last, you know, several, several years, they've played this pretty much at every single show. I think it's b- before their, their first little break. Um, so we've seen it twice, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. nothing like it was in the nineties. I mean, if I had a time machine, if I could see one song, I mean, I definitely, you know, think about choosing this one at like a pink pop or something, or maybe drop in the park in Seattle in the early nineties, uh, you know, just, just to watch Eddie Vedder climb the rafters. Yeah. Yeah. This is a um, beautiful, beautiful song live. And yeah, you, I've definitely seeing it back then, seeing his craziness or seeing, um, uh, the unplugged version and them, you know, uh, yeah, it would, it would have been spectacular. Um, but I'm glad we got to see it when we did and see it 
Um, yeah. And, and I just wonder three years ago now, if you could place yourself in the position of one of the other band members in the early nineties and maybe the first time, or it doesn't even matter if it was the first time and, and, and you're drumming, you know, uh, during the bridge and, you know, Mike and stone are going back and forth trading licks or whatever. And you look up like to your right and you just see Eddie Vedder just monkey barring around like 35 feet above the stage. What? I can't imagine that was something that you could just look at and be like, oh, that's fine. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll come down eventually. Like, I would have been terrified every single time that something horrible was going to happen. Um, yeah, when you frame it, when you frame it like that, <clears throat> to be sitting back there and to be trying to keep a groove, I don't, I don't know. It would be difficult. It'd be, it'd be like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Like, he, you know, he does this. Like, <laughs> well, here's uh, the thing. Like, that's just Ed being Ed. Yeah, you know? it's like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> but, like, if, if, if Ed falls, like, there's only there's only one there's only two results. One of them is he's severely injured, and the other one is like he breaks his neck. Um, there's like I don't know how you would get out of that. Like, and then if we you don't have any fall. of the other. Pro- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what do you what do you do like in the middle of a show? Uh, and I mean, I mean, Ed, Ed was in his like mid to late twenties, and I can certainly relate to you know wanting to just lay it on the line and be adventurous. And I mean, in, in terms of being a showman uh, for for music, I mean. That, that was Ed's calling card at that time. And that made Porch such a can't miss song, have to play song just because of, you know, his acrobatics. But that would terrify me. I think it would also terrify me if I was in the, if I was in the pit or something, not because like, Oh shoot, he's going to fall on me. Maybe that too. But like, what if this guy falls? Like what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. That's so wild to think that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I always, I always that think he about did that. that. Like, I mean, yeah. that's, it's, I mean, I don't, I mean of course there's other people have done some stuff similar i'm sure but yeah um nothing as iconic nothing there's no better picture no better pearl jam picture than him hanging on the rafters and yeah and there's one uh, really iconic picture i think lance mercer took it exactly mm-hmm. of that it's it's from from the back of the stage and all you can see is like eddie vetter's back just in front of this massive crowd and he's hanging on the rafters god knows how high but I mean, what a what a what a great song! It's it's one of those moments where you know the actions of the musicians on stage just kind of add to the lore of the song. But really, really a great one. Um, you know, and then, and then the next song is is Garden, the Garden of Stone. I'm I'm a big fan of this, this is one. A, this and, is a really good song. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, being the lyric person that I am, the first lyrics to this song are the direction of the eye so misleading. The defection of the soul, nauseously quick. I just want to know, like, who hurt this man? Yeah, the direction of the eye of so, so misleading. misleading. The defection of the soul, nauseously quick. Yeah, it's. Led had, I mean, uh, Ed had a gift for sure. Yeah, <laughs> he really, he really did, and just like him. Uh, they're all, they're all so lyrically inclined, but he has, he has some. He, yeah, he might be at the top. I'd say. Yeah, as far it's, it's between, so hard because I was just four, like I was listening to I was, some. I'm thinking about it. And yeah, like, it's hard it's, to. It's such a hard, different hard conversation to have. Like I was listening to Soundgarden earlier today on my run, and I forget which song I was listening to, and I was like, "Damn, Chris Cornell was the best lyricist." And then now right. I'm, th- I'm thinking about Garden by Pearl Jam. I'm like, wow, like Eddie Vedder's got to be the best. I'm sure. And every I'll... every song we talked about some of the lyrics, like you've you've given yeah. a line or two. So it's like, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, he was he was just on such an incredible level um, with this song, and and just another one like you know, I don't need what you have to give. Um, I mean, that one. Th- this song is always in my mind related to uh, 
corduroy for that reason it's like i don't need what you had to give and then on corduroy it's like i would rather starve than eat your bread yeah um and it's just like a rebuke <laughs> of people that we don't need in our lives or things that we don't I need in our it. lives and 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 i think um yeah no it was it was i would rather starve than eat your bread i actually used that once um uh rebuking somebody uh yeah so that was that was good that was important it was the only only time i've ever i got the point across but <laughs> I I thought for sure I, I remember that now, but I thought for sure you're gonna say that you used that in the paper, in like a college paper, you used some Pearl Jam lyrics. I, I should have. I did um I did write you a probably paper. Could. I did write a paper about um I forget which song. I think I wrote a paper about release. I took a uh like a rock history of rock and roll, like the end of my senior year, just because I needed like a two credit class and you got to write about any song. I I believe I wrote mine about release, um, which we'll be talking about very shortly. But yeah, Garden um evidently um this one the backstory about it it was kind of written about the gulf war um and something just about you know deception by government and different things like that but evidently he was with chris cornell and stone gossard uh when he got the inspiration to write this song but that's another weird thing to think about seattle back in the early 90s is just all of these guys who now are you know gods or better in in the public eye we're just all hanging out, like shooting pool together, like having some beers and, you know, just hanging out. Such a weird thing to think about. That is, that is extremely, yeah, extremely weird. Like, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the modern <laughs> be, day equivalent of that would be, but. Yeah, that's because we didn't see, uh, didn't see them when they were that age at all. So I'm sure that maybe for somebody older, yeah, they can put, you know, it's a little bit more, uh, realistic i guess yeah so we've got this week we only know eddie vetter from the few yeah shows you know the the, the stuff we've seen him live or the the stuff that's came out like um in the past like 10 years you know yeah yeah, consciously fans of them yeah like i i probably didn't consciously become a fan of pearl jam until probably 20 years into their career um which is very strange to think about and I, i think a lot of people on the page you know, there's a good amount of people who are our age, um, but oh yeah, we get that a lot. We get yeah. a lot of people saying, "I'm I'm like, young and yeah." It's not it's not like a uh, it's not like an amusement park ride where like you have to be so tall to ride. Like you don't have to be so old to enjoy the music. Um, so I I always hate when people are like, "Oh, like you don't know what you're talking about." I was like, "No, I don't." Yeah. But still, it doesn't stop me from talking about it. So yeah, <laughs> so screw it. Doesn't matter. Um, we'll just yeah. You keep- don't need to listen. You don't need to like it. But uh, still gonna talk it absolutely so let's talk about uh let's talk about deep uh this is this is the second, second to last, last song yeah second to last song on the album um and i don't really know the background to this song in terms of like what eddie Vedder one. thought it was about or <laughs> what other people thought it was about but um like most of them i'm just drawn to eddie Vedder just screaming like in so deep can't touch the bottom um this this one this one is another one that I've kind of applied in my life at certain points. Um, really? There's, yeah. There's, there's this one time, uh, I was, I was in a relationship and I, I knew I was not long for the relationship. Um, and I knew mm-hmm. that I, I knew that I Hate needed that feeling. I needed to do something to extricate myself from the situation, uh, but it's, it's so hard to do the it. Realization. And exactly. It just dawned on me and I was like, shoot, like I gotta get out. And then I think like not far afterwards, I heard this song and Eddie Vedder just screaming, in too deep and i was like oh shit i was like i'm in too deep <laughs> i can't touch the bottom anymore um and and once again just like painting a picture um i don't know if he wrote it about 
addiction if he wrote it about whatever um but it's certainly applicable uh this is this this is one that i definitely don't listen to enough i think <clears throat> yeah i would i probably i probably only listen to this when i go front to back for the yeah um for the 10 album um otherwise that would probably doesn't come up as much for me either yeah. which is a you know it's just one of those um you know there's so many good songs and songs get um underplayed for no reason at all just because there's so many of them yeah and, and it's so around. hard to what what like a song like deep or oceans or something what what it's up against on this album in terms of fighting for yeah. you know affection airplay. and airplay air uh like deep, deep's not going to beat out alive unfortunately um yeah but or what black are you gonna do yeah exactly flow. yeah but the last song on this album in my opinion is the granddaddy of them all yeah and i, I love that it's last um wait is there a reason that there's 11 and not 10 songs on this album i actually don't know so 10 um they named the album 10 after the jersey number of mookie blaylock who was a basketball mm-hmm. player who uh if, in case you didn't know uh pearl jam was originally called mookie blaylock until i think the record company put the kibosh on that they're like hey like you, you can't name yourself after this basketball player so they changed to pearl jam and then instead they named their first album 10 after mookie blaylock yeah. but uh, they they missed a golden opportunity, but I don't I don't know what yeah. song I don't know what song they would have cut if you could cut one one song from this album. Well, you know it would have been <laughs> it would have just been moved to the next album. So yeah. I mean maybe the ones that we just you know deep or oceans could could have fit on a different album, like you said. Yeah, um, maybe later on could have yeah, but because you can't cut any you can't cut any yeah, and it's crazy you can't cut any of them really no. so. But it's just—I always thought it was interesting that there's eleven, yeah. and not just well, ten. And the, and the crazy cool. thing about this too is they left off of this album. They left left off "Yellow Lead Better," "State of Love and Trust," and "Breath," uh, which wow. have have all become you know iconic fan favorites. Uh, so I, I just can't imagine yeah. you know being able to you know have to decide um like it's like making that mixtape man yeah exactly we're tense. talking about <laughs> full circle got tense. that was that was eddie vetter he's like i got a mixtape i gotta make for the whole world yep and i gotta i have a very particular 10 songs or 11 in this case that i can put on i only have an hour of music and this is what he gave us for his first <laughs> yeah, mixtape like this know? is what i have to decide i i do know i i have read before that uh, Yellow Lead Better was uh, it was a lot of Mike McCready's work, and he was he was kind of bummed that it was left off of the record. But I think it was it was included as the B side to the Jeremy single um, in 1992. But um, and then State of Love and Trust ended up being released on the singles record. Um, but then I don't think Breath ever got like a super super proper release. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I'm glad release made it on as opposed to any of those because for me and yes. for, for you too. Uh, you know, release is, this is, is a the big pinnacle. One. This this might yeah. be the most important song like ever for me. Yeah, I I would totally agree. And I think we've we've kind of told the stories before and it's come up many times um through the page and through our personal journey and then the concerts, the way that you know, it was a, a prophecy, if you will, that they were gonna open up with with this song and then, yeah. then your your pearl jam, your pearl jamly would uh would everybody would stand up together and you know get yeah. right into it hands and, around each other and, and, be able and, to- and we had a great experience so just like you said you know our first pearl jam show that we attended uh was in 2016 at fenway park uh, it was the first of two shows they played there that year and released by that time had already been cemented as the most important pearl jam song for us and it wasn't even close 
and mm-hmm. we knew that they usually only play it to open concerts. So we knew that we were going to find out pretty early if they were going to play it that day or not. And, and one of our friends at the time had told us, he's like, they're, they're going to open with release. And we're like, how do you know? Like they open with so many different songs. Yeah. Like you don't really know what's going to happen. Like they, I think they had just opened with it at their previous concert, you know, their previous stop in the tour. And, you know, we were, we were standing there and, um, we were so far in the back. So like, we couldn't really even see the, uh, see the stage too much. And all of a sudden you, I think they, they played over the, over the, over the loudspeakers. They played a, a little bit of Bab O'Reilly. And then you heard Eddie mm-hmm. Vedder saying, Eddie Vedder said like, crank that shit or something. Like, here we go. Uh, and then Bab O'Reilly stopped and then stone started playing release. And that was, that was unbelievable. Ethan. Like I, like I kind of get chills just kind of thinking about it because of how important, how much that song meant to us and still does. And just the fact that we that was the, if they could only play one song that day, that was the one we wanted them to play. Yeah. And I think that the reason being, I mean, that song for so many people is a way to come to terms with change and, and loss and different things. And that's kind of how we, of course, um, connected with it when we were making a change in our lives and moving from schools and moving uh, states and changing a trajectory in our, in our early twenties. I mean, you know, that was exactly that. And it, and it, it sang the perfect song for us, you know what I mean? It hit the, it struck the right chord where we were able to, um, you know, have something to kind of, to scream and to let everything out in a, and it was, you know, it's also like, like an emotional release too, where you can just, you can yell freely and, 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 and just emotionally kind of emotional vomit, as they say, just kind of, <laughs> uh, just get it out Absolutely. and just be like, relieved with that yeah and and you make a really good point too with what this song you know means to a lot of people because i know i've spoken with so many people who have directly mentioned this song as you know being helpful with maybe getting over the loss of a parent i know that's a big one or you know getting over the fact that you know they may have not had a great relationship with their parent or parents and you know just being able to kind of cope with that absence and just give yourself the power to you know be released from whatever pain you might be having. And, and yeah, this one, yeah, I don't, I don't even really know how to, how to explain it, but it, it is special to me for, for so many reasons. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of which I, you know, we just kind of spoke about, but this one, this, this is the one for me. This is the song for me. Yeah, this is, this is my favorite Pearl Jam song. Yeah. I mean, it's just, for so many different reasons, but it's just a beautiful song. It's just, honestly, it's just so much fun. There's the crescendo and the, like I said, it's almost like you're venting in a musical way and, uh, there's asking for a release and it's just fun. It's just a great song. It's beautiful. It's always touching. Absolutely. Um, and, and just the, the, the place in Eddie Vedder's mind and heart that it probably came from must've been so powerful and so personal too, because if you look back to the videos of him performing it and, you know, 1991, 1992, just the intensity that he sings it with. I, there's one video that I know, you know, um, it was, I think like September of 92, he was playing in the Netherlands. Um, mm-hmm. and just the emotion that he sings that song with man is just out of this world. And, and obviously, you know, it kind of touches upon some of the things that he spoke about and alive about, you know, not really maybe knowing his father until, you know, after his father passed away. And, uh, you know, this song talks about a lot of that stuff. Um, and I, I think, you know, that, that may have been where it came from, from him, but, um, you know, I'm certainly, 
blessed, you know, on a personal level that this song exists and that this album exists. I mean, how do you, I'm thinking about in, 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 you know, the chronology of music history, first albums for bands. Um, you know, I, this is for me, this is right up there with like Led Zeppelin one as being like a first album. That's like announcing your arrival to the music world. This is a band. We exist. We have things to say. And here we are. Yeah, talking about putting your best foot forward. I know. And, and, <laughs> and, set, and like, setting the bar high. Come on. <laughs> yeah, dude, really, really coming out of the gates hot and just saying, like, we're here to stay. And and they have. I mean, yeah, here we years. are. I think uh, 11 studio albums later, and they're celebrating their you know 30th anniversary of their debut album here in a few months. And hopefully, you know, they'll be playing shows in 2022 that, you know, maybe we'll be able to see. And yeah, it's, 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 it's weird you know, when a band has that type of staying power, yeah, they got together in their twenties and here they are. I want to say, I want to say some of them are really damn close to 60 now, 60 years old, um, which is, is wild. And it must be a weird feeling to still be playing the songs that you made. Yeah. That's something I I always think about. That's why they have 11 studio albums. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They keep, they keep playing. Yeah. and, And that's something like I, like, I always, I never understand when people give the band shit about, you know, making song, making albums that don't sound like 10. They already made an album that sounds like 10. It was Pearl called Jam. 10. Pearl Jam hasn't been good since 10. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot, a lot of people say that. And in that. a way, in a way, you know, maybe they haven't been as good since 10, but 10 exists. Go listen to it. You know? Yeah. Like they can. Well, I've been, yeah, we, I, we talked about this. I love, I love the. It's just like sports teams. Like uh, you got the '96 Bulls, or you got the uh, mm-hmm. the Warriors recently, and yeah, yeah. And you can and you can look back to specific dates with teams, and you know, I just love '91, you know, Pearl Jam, '91, '92 Pearl Jam. You know, '10 Pearl Jam is so good, and that's fine. That's great. That's awesome. But right. you know, if you're a fan of the uh, you know franchise in, in sports and whatnot, you're with them through the whole time, and and you. And you go with them and you can like them yeah. in different times for different reasons. And, yeah, and you like, can't I'll, I'll, expect them to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I will stick by Pearl Jam through the tens and the vitalities, <laughs> just as I'll stick by them through the backspacers and the, you know, no codes of the world. You know, I mean, you, you have to like thick, thick and thin. That's, that's the commitment that we need. You, you don't, yeah. find, you don't find it much anymore, but um, no, I, I'm just happy. They're still love, making music. Yeah. I am um, another, another, thinking of another band like dirty heads is one of those bands i was with from the beginning and mm-hmm. loved loved them and i remember when you when you're such a fan and they come up with that, an album that you're not super fond on and people are like yeah this album is just not as good and you're like no it's good it's yeah it's it's just as good it's just different and i love i love when you can like you can argue because you love a band so much you can argue that you know it's different and oh yeah uh even though you you can you know that it's different and that's fine right um, and, and that's have, the thing too, because different does not always mean worse. Just like different does not always mean better. I mean, I that's the thing that I always go back to is it's it's subjective because I guarantee you there's people out there that Backspacer is their favorite Pearl Jam album, and maybe they don't even like Ten that much. You know, they with how many fans Pearl Jam has, this person exists. Maybe they're listening right now. And who who's anyone else to say no? You're wrong. Backspacer is objectively yeah. bad. Like I, I don't think music can really be objectively bad or good. And I know I've said that a lot, but I mean I really stand by it because if something something's valuable to somebody, you know, if it if you love Backspacer, I can't tell you the Backspacer is shitty and that you shouldn't like it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. just, to, just as if I hated 10, you know, which, I mean, I don't know how anyone could hate 10, but <laughs> you won't sure find those people somebody. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you won't find them here, but I'm sure there's somebody. Yeah. Um, but I, you definitely, we get a lot of, a lot of comments that say like Pearl Jam isn't there. They aren't as, as good as they once were like ever since 10. Yeah. They haven't been as good, which, which they kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they're a different, it's ridiculous to say, Uh, and it's, and it's always funny too, because I, I just apply it to, you know, any other career in, in the sense that, you know, if you were working a career and you were asked to do, the same thing for 30 years and to never change and to never challenge yourself or never move into a new area. That sounds kind of ridiculous. You probably as a person want to, you know, challenge yourself and explore new areas. And, you know, once a band is successful initially, like after, after 10 and verses and Vitalogy, I mean, that three album run from 91 to 94, Pearl Jam could do whatever the hell they wanted, you know, but financially, um, musically, and and they did and they and they earned that right you know i mean they yeah. they any anybody any artist should be able to freely move into the areas that they're stimulated in um mm-hmm. and, and i think and we have this we have this conversation a lot we do this, this comes up all the time and yeah and yeah and, it's kind of like um I, I always think about mumford and sons mm-hmm. because they were very similar their first their first three albums uh, i believe coming up to babel or babel like mm-hmm. all very similar but then and they started doing the different and they started adding, you know, um, more electronic, elect, electric guitar and whatnot. Yeah. And people can't get past it. And they like, mm-hmm. like, Hey, just be grateful that we had, you know, the first three albums and you can be grateful for different reasons yeah. that we have these. And then well, like, I love, point, I love that they're trying this stuff. Exactly. Like they, they, they earned the right. I mean, they innately have the right anyways. They haven't earned it. They don't have to earn it. I mean, there's probably yeah. some, there's probably some craggly old geezers out there who are still upset that Bob Dylan plugged in, you know, in the sixties. <laughs> so like, just, just get over it, you know, um, uh, per, per, get over the fact that, you know, Pearl Jam maybe wanted to try something different with an album like no code or, you know, might not want to sound the same way that they sound in their twenties. And surely you're not going to write about the same things in your twenties as you would in your fifties. You're a different person. Um, but you know, not, not to rant on too long. I just, you know, I, I just, I can't see it their way. I can't see it once their way, uh, that, you know, music is not subjective, you know, but I mean, unless 10, 10 objectively is good. And if you don't like 10, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. My brother asked me a few questions just to extend this a little bit more. It's like music that is so widely popular. Is it good music? Can mm-hmm. you objectively say that anything is good or like sound in general? But um, that's a different podcast. I think a different. Yeah, it's, a, it's a topic, topic. For, for another day. But yeah, it was it was great. I, I think I I'd been looking forward to talking about this album, you know, on a podcast <laughs> a little bit more of a long form uh, for yeah, a while. If, if, I'll say if it wasn't clear, I mean, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with you when when you, because uh, you have a very good uh, history and understanding behind all of these. So it was nice to kind of hear you kind of talk about it and just kind of just kind of let you go. Because I mean, like I said, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Because yeah, I, I have I have a, a different. I think I fra- I frame all this information differently in my head than you do. Certainly. And it's it's you know, that's what makes that's what makes running this podcast fun is right. because yeah, it's we're great. both very different and I've I've talked to my my brother and a few people and like we clearly have a different style and like this is like you yeah. know and, I, you knocked it out of the park. And it's great too because it's like you think about there's probably some people that might be interested in, you know, learning the historical backstory and there's other people that just want to hear about 
you know, what the music sounds like or, you know, what, what oddly enough, what our opinions are of it or what we think about it. And, you know, I think, you know, we've been doing, you know, a little bit of that. So like we said before, you know, this is not the official chronology of Pearl Jam's debut album. Like, go, you can go find that somewhere else and, you know, maybe you learn something and, and maybe you, I think for me, the most important thing is maybe you feel inspired to go and learn some things or to go and listen to some music or think about it in a different way and, you know, just gain a different perspective. I think that's what music is there for, you know, to be able to add value to your life and, and maybe teach you some things along the way. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, but we, we appreciate everybody for, you know, riding yeah. along with us. We've got 10 podcasts now. Uh, that's why I go home. You why know? go home? Why, why stop <laughs> why podcasting? We've been doing this for almost 20% of a whole year now. I think if, if my math is yeah. correct, 10 weeks, um, I'm bad at math. So, uh, I if probably, probably fucked that up, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great journey so far and we're really thankful for everybody that's been listening so far. I think, uh, prior to, uh, setting up this podcast to record, uh, we've already passed 13,000 lifetime downloads of the show, um, which seems like a big number. The fact that there's, you know, 13,000 times people have wanted to listen to us and even still people have been outstanding about supporting us, giving us feedback. Uh, liking yeah. the podcast, subscribing to it, uh, and also supporting us in different ways. Uh, so as we spoke about at the beginning of this podcast, uh, our Patreon page is the most direct way that you can support us if you're interested. Um, you know, any any sort of monthly dues that you choose to give us go directly towards hosting the podcast, paying our producer Drew McFadden, uh, running the website, and you know, our equipment that we might need and, and anything that will go into making this podcast better and more consistent for everybody. Additionally, yeah. we do have merchandise available. So all of these links, as always, are on grungebible.com if you're interested about learning more. But, you know, we're really, really thankful. You know, we always say this, but it's true. Uh, you know, it's 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 really humbling that people want to support us in those ways. And, and it's really humbling that people are enjoying what we're doing. Yeah, and all we can do is continue to do our best and and every time that you guys drop a comment or drop drop some words of encouragement, it makes us want to do better each and every time. So um yeah, thank you for being being alongside with us. Um yeah, if you wanna yeah, I said just subscribe and kinda and get and pre download each week's podcast, uh, that helps a lot. Um Yeah, and, and, and yeah. be a part of the conversation. You know, we love you know, we talked about 10 this week, uh, you know, chime in, tell us which songs you like, which songs you don't like. And, you know, if you have any special, you know, circumstances or special moments with this music, I know a lot of us do, but I always love reading people's, you know, anecdotes about how songs affected them. And I, I've been doing it so far today with, you know, the anniversary of Chris Cornell's death, uh, just kind of talking about how he's been inspiring to people. And, you know, that's really the one thing that's bringing us all together. It's the one reason why we have this podcast is because this music is powerful um, and it's impacted us in such a way. So we are really thankful for that uh, and, and we will always be moving forward. Awesome. Well, Chris, I think we have one last thing to do before we close this uh, podcast out officially. I believe we do. And that is and that what songs, songs of the week, the song of the week. 
And this is always something I don't really think about it until like five minutes before we start recording. And then I panic. and I'm like, what is the song I've been listening to most this week? I have to it has to be a good representation yeah. of my my musical interests. Uh, and I mm-hmm. panic a lot of times. But this this one I, this week, I actually think I have a well, solid don't panic. Cause... Yeah, I'm going to calm down. <laughs> don't panic. It's OK. <laughs> it's rolling by Limp Bizkit. No, it's not. Um, it, it, it should, should be, be though it should be i think we could have talked about we could have talked about fred durst more last week that yeah. one of the recommendations that i i heard yeah we might have to do an episode on on fred durst or campaign we'll make, to bring him on yeah yeah that's good we've already done an episode about all those guys but yeah maybe we'll do something like that something yeah. crazy we, talk can, about we can do Kroger. whatever we want but nevertheless uh my song of the week is actually a new release um uh, it's it's by an artist named Damien Gerardo. So I'm I'm I've been a fan of Damien Gerardo's for a while. He's he's from Seattle actually, and he's kind of a um. I guess I would categorize him as like a folk folky like singer songwriter. Um, but I didn't know that he was coming out with a new album until I found out uh, on May 14th, I think, which was last Friday. So I found out um just looking at you know the new releases and he came out with an album called the monster who hated pennsylvania um and and there's mm. a song there's a song on there called hiding ghosts which i've been listening i've been listening to the album you know in its entirety yeah, I think you a posted lot that correct yes i believe i did i shared that the album came out but i mean he's just he's a great songwriter he's got such a unique voice you know a unique songwriting voice in in both you know in terms of his vocal delivery he's he's just really really solid and if if you're into um you know, kind of like folky acoustic driven music, uh, definitely check J- Damien Gerardo out. I mean, he's been recording and releasing music for, I want to say 25 years, maybe since the mid nineties. So he's got a really, really big catalog. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. So I've been listening a lot. So lock in my song of the week is hiding ghosts by Damien Gerardo off of the new album, the monster who hated Pennsylvania. I love that. I want to, I need to look up why, uh, that's, the yeah, album who, title who, who is this monster and why did they hate pennsylvania because as, yeah, a nati- as a native pennsylvanian are you are you offended by that yeah i'm a little offended i don't yeah. i don't understand i think pennsylvania is um easily a top five state i think it might be the really? best state clearly yeah i think pennsylvania is top five state well, it's, 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 it's not as bad as connecticut or new jersey so no yeah you get you get a lot of variety in pennsylvania i mean because of i just think how big the state yeah. is Yep, I think it's big. Um, you know, just another reference, probably. Uh, well, we can do we can do a state ranking uh, next time. But I think Pen- Pennsylvania has has uh, just a uh, yeah wide variety of stuff to do. Yeah. A lot of elevation, yada yada. That's something um, anyway. we got to do. Top five grungiest states. That's coming soon on the podcast. Minnesota, probably. <laughs> Definitely not California. Um, oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, that, so that'd be good. My Let's turn. Hear it. Um, yeah, this song I actually just heard recently. Um, another recommendation from my boss. He threw it on, and I put it up on uh, Portradio's story just the other day. But <clears throat> the song is called Boot Height, and it's by the band Fences. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. So, Boot Height, Fences. It came out in April uh, this year, the beginning oh, so of April. it's fairly new then. Yeah, and it's, it's just really, really cool. It's got a, like, a sitar. Um, oh, I, lo- I love sitars. Like, yeah, it's got this like really like echoey kind of like low um, sitar sound. So um, I'm not exactly sure that it's a sitar, but some, a nice string instrument. Maybe, that maybe has, it's like, a hurdy gurdy. I I listened to hurdy gurdy, man. It came on the radio. <laughs> Actually, I think it was a cover, and uh, you know, because people cover that song. Yeah, and uh, 
I th- it might have been. I think it was. Um, I know what it was. It was the Pixies. I'm pretty sure the Pixies okay. were uh, covering Hurdy Gurdy yeah, Man. I, I know but... the Butthole Surfers also have a cover of Hurdy Gurdy Man. Yeah. And oddly <laughs> enough, oddly enough, Howard Stern has a cover of it too. People um, cover that song. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bigger song than. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about the hurdy gurdy band sometime too. But yeah, anyway, Boot Height by Fences. It's just a it's a really fun song. It's it's like just a really different sound. It's got that it's got that sitar that I'm talking about. So I posted it. Um I just added both these songs to our playlist again. So we advanced have advanced notice. Song, of the, song yeah, advanced notice, because this this uh podcast won't come out for another four days. So um you're getting exclusive access. Uh, how many songs do we have on there right now? We got uh, one hour and seven minutes for the mixtape that we're giving to our girlfriends. Yep. When if we ever got one, but yeah. uh, <laughs> no, 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 no wonder why she left me after the first date. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling Come her, on. listen, listen, yeah. uh, <laughs> Damien. Come on, Gerardo. listen to Hurdy Gurdy, man. <laughs> yeah, you'll love it. I promise. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe uh, that's our, maybe that's our first problem, Ethan. But but the list is looking pretty good. I mean, we got some, we got, got some, some good cool, variety. cool songs on there. I mean. Yeah, we got Twin Size Mattress, Three Strange Days, Hardline, To Shame yeah. About Ray, some Dinosaur Jr. And it is it is a massive shame about Ray. I, I will say that. It is. It is I, a, I think this, a massive this, shame about Ray. This playlist just kind of proves, like, I, I don't know why, but I always kind of have the, the chip on my shoulder that I need to prove to the people who follow the page that, uh, like, I'm not a one-trick pony musically and that I have other interests, yeah. um, you know, uh, I mean, and there was a lot of good music that just came out. So just on Friday, uh, for me at least, Damien Gerardo came out with an album. Uh, Jay Cole came out with his new album, and the Black Keys mm-hmm. came out with uh, Delta Cream, which I think I had spoken about a few weeks prior. Um, yep. But yeah, a lot, a lot of good music across a lot of different genres, and, and you know, I'll never, I'll never tie myself to one. Um, you know, because yeah. because grunge doesn't really even exist. You know, in practice, which that's an episode that'll be coming soon. Why Mud Honey is the only grunge band. Um, that's mm-hmm. been heavily requested, so it's, it's. I think it's about time that we explain that. Yeah, and I and, do. Uh, I do like the idea that, like I said, this is it's just a way to kind of expand the music knowledge and understanding. So we may put songs on that. I mean, it might, and it also just might be a song that we heard on a playlist. And um, I'm just going to post it. I know nothing about the band, so and that's happened. Um, so anyway, check out the playlist. We'll post it up, but. Yeah, that that'll be up. great. Yeah, that wraps it up for another week of the Grunge Bible podcast. Like we said, we've got 10 in. We're having a great time doing it. We're looking forward to sitting down for number 11. Uh, once again, we would like to thank all listeners, patrons, supporters, and otherwise friends of the internet. We appreciate all of you, and we would also like to thank our producer, Drew McFadden, who helps us with every single aspect of this podcast. We're really appreciative for his his hard work on this project. Yeah, he's all right. He does he's, a decent job. Yeah, he's We'll probably get there. him on here in, in the near future again or something like that. Let him talk. Yeah, pretty he's, soon. If he's good. But in the meantime, uh, let us know your favorite and least favorite tracks off of 10. Uh, we'll have some good banter over the weekend on the page about 10. And we will be speaking with you next week with episode 11 coming down the chute pretty soon. But until then, we're going to take it easy. We're going to rock and roll. We're going to listen to a lot of different music. That's right. All right. Hang in there, guys. Rock and roll. Be well. <laughs>